Well, hello, and welcome to this week's The Photographic Life. Um, anybody who's been listening to these podcasts um, over the previous months or have read in the writing or perhaps even follow uh, at you in a photo on Twitter will be well aware of my kind of, I suppose, position as far as paid-for portfolio reviews are concerned. It's a subject which I keep kind of getting drawn back into, and it's not something I particularly want to dwell on. However, this week, um, once again, um, uh, a price list for a portfolio review uh, day caught my eye, um, and the prices were high. I mean, you know, let's face it, the, the people who most often need a portfolio review are those who can least afford um, to pay for them. And this goes back to me and what, why I take this stance. And I'm, I kind of have, I'm promising myself that in a way, this is the last time I'm going to talk about it on the podcast. It's up to you to see whether or not I, I keep to my word. But anyway, as I've said before, I was an art director. As an art director, I was paid a very good salary. And therefore, I saw it as my role to give portfolio reviews to any photographer that rang me up. They would come in, drop off their book, come up and see me. We'd sit down, we'd talk about the work, and I would try and give an opinion and a little bit of advice. Whatever advice I gave, whatever opinion I gave, was always subjective. It could only ever be based on my personal experiences at, by that time, at that stage. And I would always say that to whoever I, I saw is that, you know, what I've said, um, I believe. However, it's really important that you go and see lots of other people, get other opinions, many which may well uh, not agree with me, and you form your own opinion from those multiples of opinion. And when you listen to those opinions, when you speak to those people, make sure that you're aware of their background so that you know where they're coming from, so that you can make a decision as to whether or, nice, uh, whether or not their opinion is informed um, and also whether it's appropriate for where you want to go. So that's where I come from it. And this is where I stay with it now. My take on it is this. If you are employed and you have a salary and it is part of your job to be engaged with photography, perhaps in commissioning or supporting or helping, you should not be charging for a portfolio review because that's part of your job anyway. That's the first part. The second part of that is that if you're a photographer and you feel that you should be paid uh, for your opinion, for your experience, for your knowledge, that's absolutely fine. And that may well be in the form of a workshop or in a mentorship over a period of time, in a sense, very much like an, an education in that it's a prolonged experience for the person who's engaging with you and you're engaging with them. However, I also believe that if you are a photographer and you agree to go to a festival or go to a portfolio review day, you should also be paid, but not by the photographer whom you're speaking to. You should be paid by whoever is organizing that event they have decided to put on that event. They have decided, for whatever reason, to invite you, to invite the people who are going to give the portfolio reviews, their expertise or whatever it may be, and to 
offer that to other people. Now, if that festival then sees it as a revenue stream, for me, it doesn't sit comfortably because it's a revenue stream based on the people who can't afford that and therefore their level of expectation even if they do manage to come up with the money to pay for it their level of expectation may be highly unrealistic in effect what we're talking about here is an exchange of knowledge for money and that's great and that's fine and that's education and that's teaching but in a portfolio review what we're really talking about is an exchange of money for an opinion and if somebody's spending 25 quid, uh, $35 and up from that for every time they speak to somebody, if that opinion is not appropriate, is not informed, uh, then there's a problem. I wrote about this in more detail. Uh, and there's an article um, about portfolio reviews as to why I wouldn't pay for them on the United Nations of Photography website. Just put in portfolio review into the search tab and the article will come up. As part of that article, I decided as a photographer to contact all of the people at one particular um, review session that took place, I think about a year or so ago. I emailed every single person with a link to my work and an introduction to myself. I received not one single reply, not, in even, not even a reply to say thank you for sending the work, even if the work is not appropriate. I knew that some of the people I was sending the work to, it was appropriate, and I knew that some it wasn't. But I didn't get one reply. And yet, every single one of those people would have agreed to look at my work if I paid them for it. That cannot be right. Following on from that idea of being paid and photography, there's been a little bit of discussion this week about um, working for free. And in fact, I've spoken to three photographers over the last uh, week or so, actually, um, who've asked me for advice, one of whom has been working for 20 odd years and asked me to explain to them how uh, commissioned work works. How do I become a commissioned photographer? I think at the end of it, I got the sense that what I'd said wasn't really what he wanted to hear. And that, I suppose, in a way also goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. If I'd have charged him for that advice, what would he think of me and what would he think of his investment? Anyway, the key seems to be here or the problem seems to be around this idea of not being paid or being paid. Obviously, the creation of work, the use of work has to be paid for. But the creation of a, a body of work, a personal work, a portfolio of work that you can then show to people increasingly these days will not be paid for. I suppose really where we are with this, and it's a discussion that we keep going back to, is exactly how do you make a living as a photographer? And as it becomes increasingly difficult, more and more people are offering work for free. I suppose really all I wanted to say at this point is from a photographic life's perspective, it's really important to respect yourself and respect your work and perhaps even more importantly to respect your fellow photographer. So don't give it away. This week's guest um, telling us what photography means to her is a female photographer. And I'm really pleased to be able to say that because I know that and I'm aware that over the last 
few weeks or so, a few uh, few months almost, I think, it's been very male-dominated here on a photographic like life. And that's not my intention. I can only say that I send out as many requests to female photographers as I do to male photographers to appear on the podcast. Unfortunately, a lot of those requests I've sent out to female photographers have either been ignored and I've received no response at all, or alternatively, I've received some very polite declines. Um, and I've also received some positive responses, but the workers, the audio has never um, arrived. But Margaret Mitchell certainly took up the challenge and I was really pleased that she did. Um, I only became aware of her work um, relatively recently. And initially I, I looked at the work and thought, well, where are we going with this? I wanted to kind of question the work. And it was with the body of work in which she's documented 20 years of the family of her deceased sister that really drew me in and made me think that this work was standing um, apart from a lot of the portrait work I'm seeing. And I also recognised in it um, that humanitarian sense that seems to me to be becoming a more and more dominant factor. And in fact, we've got some great photographers coming up in future podcasts who are also kind of travelling that road. So it only leaves me this week to introduce to you Margaret Mitchell. Thank you very much to Grant for asking me to be on this podcast. Um... What does photography mean to me? Well, that's a pretty huge question. And I'll try my best to answer perhaps aspects of that. Um, I could probably go on at great length about <laughs> many different areas in photography, so I'll try and try not ramble too much. And I think I'm going to approach it by talking about a picture. And I know you can't see the picture, but I'm going to try and talk about a picture in the sense that it perhaps gives you some of the ideas of what is the important areas in photography for me. So I've been working on a project with my own extended family, so it's my late sister's children and uh, grandchildren, and I've been working on this for quite a long time. And the, the work in general sort of looks at issues of... Um, well, how much choice is predetermined in our lives and issues of social inequality. So one of the pictures that I took in this series is of uh, Stephen, my nephew, and he's shown as a, a grown man now. And he's sitting on a, a blue settee in a fairly empty looking room. And in the background is uh, some photographs on a bookshelf. What's actually happening in this picture, he's sitting in his temporary homeless accommodation and um, his sister Chick, before I took the picture, told me a story about what it's like to, to move into this kind of accommodation. She said that a lot of the time, um, the people know when they walk in that you are living in homeless accommodation um, because the furniture is all very similar. So the settees are the same sort of design and the, so are the carpets and the, the curtains and everything else. And she said for, for some people, she experienced this personally as a mark of shame that um, when people came in, they knew that this was uh, a home, but you were still homeless. So when Stephen moved into his home, she gave him lots of things. She gave him salt and pepper and mayonnaise and all the, the daffy things like that that you need to run a home. But she also gave him something important. 
she gave him pictures of uh, the Waynes. So she gave him pictures of the family, basically. And in the background in this photograph is that's what you're seeing. You're seeing photographs of her, her daughter and of her sister's daughters. So in this photograph, Stephen knows that he may be in his accommodation on his own, but he is still part of something larger. He's part of a family. He's loved. And I think this is what photography can do. It can show you within one image a, a full story, or when you put that image alongside other pictures, you've also got a very, very nuanced and intricate story, which is not just about a personal experience, like what it's like to move in to a homeless accommodation, but you also have a very political story about why that might be happening. In general, in my work, I would say that for me, a lot of photography is observing a lot. I'm waiting a lot. Waiting for that image that sometimes comes out of days of chatting to someone or a lifetime of knowing them or even an afternoon of intense talk. I think you then can feel when you're getting that picture, when you're getting a good picture and um, you know the person in it and that, that you're, when you're photographing them. I think these are probably my better photographs where I'm getting a connection. Um, it can be about a place as well. It can't, it's not just about people, it's about that understanding of that place. And uh, it could be about the social and economic aspects of it and the history that makes that, um, that knowledge that comes from being there. And photography for me also means giving back to people that, who I'm photographing. So I try to involve as much as possible people uh, in my work when I'm, you know, photographing them or working with them. Um, sometimes friendships grow from projects, sometimes not. Um, I tend to visit people on a long-term project with work prints. We look at work prints and we go through them, for example. Um, at the end of projects, I like to give people prints or, you know, if I've, if I've done a newsprint publication, something like that, then they will be, you know, given that at the end of it as well. And I think these things are really important, that it's not just about me taking photographs, it's about that sharing and it's about creating um, th th that together. I think documentary work is very much about reflection of what's around you and but it's about the, how you're interpreting that. And I mean, you can walk into a situation and you can photograph it over a long period of time, for example, and you could come up with many stories because it's down to what you're choosing to photograph. Um, and as photographers, you know, we, we can tell one story um, in so many different ways. So it's really important that the people who are being photographed um, are uh, support the way that you are actually working with it. It's a huge responsibility. I think photography is very powerful, but we must use it with care. Community, collaboration, photography, stories that uh, need to be told and stories that uh, need to be seen um, pretty much sums up um, my take on photography. Um, and I think also really... It makes the whole thing really um, a pleasurable experience to do this podcast so that people such as Margaret can have an opportunity to actually speak out about their photography, their work, their practice, and also those stories that are so personal and so um, important to them. So uh, do check out Margaret Mitchell's um, work. There are a number of interviews with her online, 
And obviously you can go to her website, which the link uh, is in the information panel attached to this podcast. Um, This week, I was actually going back through my archive of uh, audio conversations with photographers over the years, and I found a couple which uh, I'd completely forgotten about. Well, I kind of hadn't. That's not true, actually. Um, I'd never forgotten the conversations, but I'd forgotten where they were. And I actually thought the worst thing of all was that I'd lost these particular conversations. Recordings. Anyway, I haven't. Are two great icons of photography. One now sadly passed, and one uh, still working. Um, and so it was a pleasure this week to go through those recordings and uh, edit some highlights out for you for inclusion in a future podcast. But what you'll see also coming up in future podcasts is a real mix of names you you will probably know. Maybe a lot of photographers who you don't know or work you don't know. And um, that was always my intention with this podcast, was to um, really mix it up with different kinds of work, uh, different kinds of practice, and different ways of working, so that even if you're very much absorbed within your area of photography, and maybe don't know too much about another area, there's another opportunity, it gives you an opportunity maybe to, to find out about those um those photographers and maybe also to hear from them and particularly there's one coming up in future weeks from um, one of the world's great fashion photographers which really does chime with a lot of the conversation um that i hear uh photographers working in the landscape area or within contemporary art practice so although that particular photographer is absolutely in the in the center of the commercialization of fashion photography um his approach to photography is very similar to anybody else's it isn't a hardcore commercial approach as um it may be perceived by others brings me round to that conversation I was um, alluding to at the beginning of this podcast, talking to somebody about commissioned photography. Um, I was explaining to that person how important it is to find your passions and document your passions. And I think the person felt very much that it was going to be a question of, well, this is what I uh, I can do, so let me do it, but I don't actually need to show it. Well, you do. You need to document those passions, those enthusiasms. As I always say, there's no point being a food photographer if you're not interested in food, and the same thing with fashion or sports as, or anything else, as as we all know. Anyway, um, that's where we are this week. Um, I've uh, got filming coming up um, for the uh, Ray Lowry film, so that's really exciting. Been looking at a lot of John Mitchell's portrait work uh, as visual influence and also the documentary work of uh, Shirley Baker of Manchester. So that's been really informative and also from a collaborative um, perspective, thinking about animation as well as um, a narration to the documentary so lots of kind of different things bouncing around like a kind of uh, it's a bit like being in a kind of creative sputnik kind of thing at the moment um anyway that's pretty much it i think for um this week uh, do please check out www.donotbendfilm.com if you'd like to um, get information of future screenings of the Bill J film. We're starting to announce them now for 2019. One in Phoenix, Arizona coming up in early February, I'm hoping to be at. Um, So do check that out. And if you've, as always, as I say, if you've enjoyed this podcast, do please uh, rate us on iTunes or write a review. It would be really kind. Help spread the word. 
And as always, take care. <laughs>